What's up? <clears throat> Welcome to another episode of the Stairway to Seven Figures podcast, where we talk about financial literacy, personal finance, entrepreneurship, and occasionally some other stuff, just according to whatever's happening in the world and where my ADHD is at any particular time. Stairway to Seven Figures, because there's no elevator to success. You got to take the stairs, and let's face it, Six figures ain't hitting like it used to, bro. So we need to make seven figures just to stay ahead of the game. I am your host, Ismail, and you are listening. And what you're listening to in today's episode is uh, we want to talk about some of the money scripts that are ruining your relationship with money and keeping you broke and miserable. Ouch. That sounded rough, didn't it? In any event. Remember, in the last episode, when I mentioned the three stages of mindset, I said stage one is, it's possible, but for someone else. Right? That speaks to the fact that many of us, especially when it comes to money, many of us have negative scripts that reinforce negative outcomes. Now, Many of the people that I coach, they say things here and there to let me know that they don't have a healthy relationship with money. And before you make any assumptions, it's not only broke people who have poor relationships with money. It's not just them. I've met rich people. Not wealthy people, though. But definitely rich. Who have unhealthy relationships with money. So literally any of us could fall victim to this. All right? And, and let me make something clear, too, while we're talking about healthy and unhealthy relationships with money. If I ask you, how's your relationship with money? And then you tell me that you're good at budgeting. You didn't really answer my question, although technically you did, right? You being able to budget or to save has nothing to do with your relationship with money, right? Because your relationship is not about the mechanics, right? It's the psycho-emotional interaction that forms a relationship. But we're going to get into that. So, how does it start? Um, okay, so look, you know how certain diseases run in certain families, you know what I mean? So like, for example, on my mom's side, on my mother's side, we have polycystic kidney disease, like where kidneys just be going bad and people need liver tra uh, kidney transplants all the time, right? So it's a fact. Diseases do run in families, right? And there's scientific research and all that, blah, blah, blah. But the point is that the simplified version of this theory says that if your grandma, if your grandparents had heart disease and diabetes and your parents have heart disease and diabetes, then guess what? You're probably going to have heart disease and diabetes. But do you ever stop and ask yourself why? Now, to some extent... There might be genetic factors at play in these families. However, 
the more likely root cause is the fact that diseases run in families because dietary habits run in families. Diseases run in families because eating habits, dietary habits, run in families. Now, let me let you in on a little secret. It's the same with money. If you come from a family that has had a historically bad relationship with money, then five will get you ten, then you're also going to have a bad relationship, a poor relationship with money. The scripts that you've been fed about money from an early age will then inform your beliefs about money, which then inform your behavior with money. And if those behaviors are negative, as they probably would be, at least, you know, I mean, mostly, right? Then your beliefs about money are going to lead to negative outcomes with money. And now, congratulations, you are in the middle of a vicious cycle. That's it. So before we get into the money scripts, right, the stories that you tell yourself about money, which are usually negative. First, let's make sure we agree on what money really is. So, many people have a tendency to equate themselves with money. Weird, right? Like, I don't equate myself with a, with a car or, you know. But people have a tendency to, to equate themselves with money and they make their money outcomes a proxy for their self-esteem. And then they begin to believe that they are their own money outcomes. You see what I'm saying? I'll say it again. So people connect their self-worth, how they look at themselves, how they feel about themselves with money or their money outcomes. So if they have positive outcomes with money, then they feel good about themselves. And when they have negative outcomes, they feel terrible about themselves. All right. So we got to fix that. And the reason people feel that way is because they don't really have a sound understanding of what money is. So let me help you. Money, listen closely, money, money is nothing more than a store of value. Wait a minute, let me change that. Let me change that. Money isn't a store of value. It's not a store of value, right? Because when you look at inflation, right, if you're in accounting or finance and you have to do the net present value calculations of money, discounted cash flows, you realize that money doesn't actually store value. So let's clean that up, all right? Here's, here's a better idea. Money is a representation of value. Money is a representation of value. That's it. Money represents value between two or more parties who have agreed to exchange value or money for goods or services or some other benefit. You feel me? That makes sense? All right. 
So money's just a representation of value. That's it. There's nothing more than that. All right? And we got to make sure we understand that very, very clearly and keep that straight because if you don't and if you connect money to your own self-worth, your own self-esteem, I mean, look at how many people who are rich who appear to be outwardly successful who commit suicide right and people look at they go well but you're rich why would you do that well because sometimes for people who are rich if they have connected their value their self-esteem their identity their worth to their checkbook but there are other aspects of trauma that they haven't resolved then you realize very quickly that money doesn't fix anything right so we have to disassociate our feelings of self-worth from how much we have in net worth all right we got to disassociate that now on to these money scripts all right so these are the money scripts that are keeping you broke and miserable number one superman is coming to save you <laughs> superman is coming to save you some superhero is coming to save you let me tell you something it ain't happening one of the most dangerous money scripts that we have is the belief that someone else will bail me out. It's a dangerous belief. You might have that because you get Section 8 housing, or you got that STEMI at the right time along with your tax return and it helped you get caught up on your rent or your credit card bills. Or, you know, when you're still a young adult, your parents bail you out, you know what I'm saying, they shoot you some bail so you can, you know, pay for whatever, right? Now, while some people feel this way because they're lazy and entitled, and undoubtedly there are people like that, in my experience, I'd say that most people feel this way because they have a subconscious belief that they themselves are not enough. They don't believe that they have what it takes, whether it's skills or know-how, knowledge, money, opportunity. They don't think that they have what it takes to fix their own financial problems. So, the major problem with this is that in having the belief that someone else is going to rescue you, you are not taking accountability for your situation. And when you don't take accountability for your situation, what typically happens is that you continue to, to behave irresponsibly. And then when that happens, you just keep making the same mistakes, the same missteps that got you in a financial jam in the first place. You'll just keep doing the same thing. Bury your head in the sand like an ostrich to minimize the impact of the reality of your financial situation if you don't all, you know, all together ignore it but the end result of that as I'm sure you could imagine is financial chaos so the solution 
is you got to take ownership of your financial situation and begin working on a plan to get out of debt and to move forward towards your financial goals. So start with setting SMART goals, right? SMART being acronym specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and time bound, right? Start with setting SMART goals. And in doing that, make sure you set it up so that you can get some quick wins. And these quick wins should be structured in such a way that they either reduce some of your debt or increase some of your cash, your liquidity, right? So we got to stop thinking in terms of handing over our financial power to someone else. And we got to recognize that you are enough. You, you are enough. You have enough or you can learn enough to completely change your financial situation. Maybe get an accountability partner. Get a financial coach. But you have to put things in place to start the structure so that you start taking ownership of your situation and working through it in a very structured and organized fashion so that you can accomplish your goals. All right? Now, money script number two that's keeping you broke and miserable is the belief that I'm just not good with money. I'm just not good with money, right? So this money script, you're basically connecting yourself, right? Your sense of self-worth to your financial outcomes. You ever think about that? Like, look how, isn't it weird that there are very few things in our lives that we will directly connect to ourselves and to our sense of self-worth. But somehow money is always on that list. Like I never met anybody who felt like um, 10th grade chemistry, right? And then wore that F as an albatross around their neck for the rest of their lives going, yeah, you know why, you know, I'm broke now. Uh, it's because uh, I failed chemistry in the 10th grade. You know why I'm, you know, um, working a dead-end job because I failed chemistry in the 10th grade. Like, no one does that. I have a failed marriage because I, I failed chemistry in the 10th grade. No one does that. We only do it with money. So let me help you through that, right? Think about the stuff that you were good at, the things you do very well, right? Where you're expert or at least better than average, or even if you're, you do it to average proficiency, let me just ask you a really simple question. Were you born that way? Like, were you born, let, let's say you're a graphic designer, right? Were you born doing Photoshop? Probably not. Let's say you're a really good accountant. And believe me, some of the people that I've met who have the worst financial situations are actually accountants. If you're an accountant, were you born doing ledger balances, doing P&Ls? No. Let's say you're a tennis player. I have an uncle who's a tennis player. 
Were you born with a racket in your hand hitting volleys and... No. Of course not, right? So the point is that you learned and you acquired those skills and you practiced them over time in order to develop a certain level of proficiency, right? And I think any rational mind can understand that. So then why is money any different? Why is money any different? See, your money scripts become your beliefs. And your beliefs inform your actions because we act in accordance with our beliefs. And our actions create our results. Like this is simplified, but it's pretty much a basic equation for how things work in life. So if you start to believe that you're not good with money, you will actually self-sabotage and set yourself up for failure because you will subconsciously avoid taking action and accountability for your financial situation, for your financial success, for your financial wellness. You will avoid it. Why? Because you have a belief that you're just not good at it. And as human beings, we naturally seek comfort, right? We want to move away from pain and discomfort to to comfort and pleasure. So if you think you're not good at something, you're never going to want to do it. Now, here's the solution. Start taking small daily steps to develop good money habits. One thing that you can do that works very well, works for me, is have a daily check-in with all of your accounts. All of them. Your checking, your savings, your crypto, your 401k, every single account that you have. Have a daily check-in with your accounts. Set a calendar reminder on your phone, right? So that every morning, right, even on the weekends, you take 10, 15 minutes to review your accounts. And if you do this, trust me, number one, it will demystify the whole financing because you'll you'll be connecting, right? And it'll help you start to build your relationship with money. Because if you think about it, like listen to what I'm saying, relationship with money. So think about it like this. If you're in a relationship of any kind, right, whether it's marriage, business, friendship, whatever it is, right, how can you maintain a healthy relationship with someone that you never connect with? How can you have a healthy relationship with somebody that you don't spend any time with? Right? Try doing that with your husband or wife and see what happens. It's going to be difficult to do, right? Maybe even impossible. We have to start looking at our relationships with money the same way. Start having daily check-ins with your accounts. And in 21 days, you will have sown the seeds for a productive habit, right? Because... Typically, they say that it takes 21 days to form a habit. Importantly, this will also keep you on top of any changes in your accounts. And suddenly, you will find yourself much better at controlling your spending. Plus, you'll get line of sight 
on where your income needs to increase and you'll find yourself taking steps to make that happen. You'll figure out where debt needs to be serviced and it won't be so scary. And believe me, like just like, you know, I'm sure all of us, right? Even if it's through six degrees of separation or Kevin Bacon. Somebody knows someone, right? Who, a couple, they knew each other for six months, got married. Because they built such a strong relationship by that point. Because of their communication, because of their interaction, because of their involvement, right? And the same thing can happen with your relationship with money. You can build such a strong relationship with your money that you become a better steward of your money. And then, not only are you budgeting effortlessly, right? Reducing your debt increasing your income, you will also start to find opportunities to make your money work for you instead of you always having to work so hard for it. Investments. And the third script, and I think we'll, we'll stop it with this one, right? Um, so the third money script that is keeping you broke and miserable is that people with money, rich people, right, are either evil or greedy or both. Now, this is a pervasive money script that says rich people are evil. They stepped on someone to get there. They cheated somebody to get there. They're not honest. They're not good people. They're lecherous human beings. They must have lied or cheated or stolen to get where they are. We hear that a lot, right? We see it in movies. You know, we hear it in urban legend, neighborhood, you know, stories in the barbershop. Your auntie's talking at the family reunion or the cookout. Like, we hear it all the time. This is why that's problematic. Think about it. If you made a negative judgment against someone, they're evil. They're a crook, Right? Why would you then want to turn around and be like them? You see what I'm saying? So, so think about it like this, right? Um, if okay, one of the one of the representations you know that occurs very frequently in media is that lawyers are crooks, right? And then you have people you know blurring the the pronunciation of lawyer so that it sounds like liar. Right, but then when when that happens, right, throughout your childhood, you, you recognize that, and then you know as you move into adulthood, you don't ever want to be a lawyer because you think they're all liars and they're crooks. See what I'm saying? So if if the money script is that rich people are bad, they're evil, they're crooks, they have no values, they're they're unethical, they're immoral. Why on earth would your brain allow you to want to be one of them? You've already said that they're bad. But you see what I'm saying? It's like, if I, if I think that serial killers are bad people, right? And they're, they're sick in the head and, you know, they're 
the bane of society, then I quite naturally don't ever want to be a serial killer. You see what I'm saying? So it's the same with this money script, right? We have to change the narrative that rich people are evil and immoral and whatever, right? And understand that the vast majority of people who have accumulated wealth are hardworking and talented individuals who deserve what they have earned. And the same way they've worked hard to earn it, I can too. That's what the script needs to be, right? So what's the solution for this one? Well, again, we need to go back to our understanding of money, right? We have to understand that money is value. And money is value that is exchanged for value because the marketplace rewards value. We have to see that money is a representation of the things that we value. So, for example, if being in good health is something that I value, then I'm willing to spend money on eating healthy foods, getting a gym membership, making sure I stay on top of my, my supplements, right? My CMOS and, and all that stuff, right? Because I value health. And exchanging money can help me get what I value by giving the supplier something that they value. It's a mutual exchange of value. No one is getting over on the other one. No one is taking advantage of the other one. No, it's a mutual exchange. We both have something that the other person values. We exchange it. And when you think about it like that, a mutual exchange of value. What's another word that we could put there to describe that? A mutual exchange of value is what? It's fairness, right? In legal terms, it's called consideration, but it's fairness. Now, where on earth in our logical minds do we consider fairness as evil? We don't, right? We don't. No one says that being fair is a bad thing. So when we see the exchange of money as fairness as the exchange of value, right? Fairness is virtuous, as a matter of fact. Our brains will then gravitate towards that because we all would like to see ourselves as being fair people, right? Like I said, fairness is a virtue. Who, who wouldn't like to be fair and virtuous? Especially if we can take care of our financial needs by doing it. When you add value to other people's lives, you are entitled to compensation for that. Just like you freely compensate people who add value to your life, right? Think about it. Your car needs a tire. Are you mad at the guy who changes your tire and puts a new tire? No. You're, he added value to your life, right? He helped you be able to continue to drive your car so you can get back and forth, you know, up and down to your job, to your family, to whatever. And you were happy to pay for it. Middle of the summer, your AC goes out in your house, right? You call some guy, comes out in the morning, 
and he works on, you know, fixing your whole AC system for six hours. You were happy to death to pay that guy to fix it for you. He added value to your life. So again, when you add value to other people's lives, you are entitled to compensation the same way you compensate people who add value to your life. So, if you struggle to recognize how or where you add value to someone's life, one thing that you can start to do is to keep a gratitude journal, right? Every day, write in your journal three things about yourself, or even if it's one thing. Let's make it, let's start with one thing, right? Write one thing about yourself that you value or ways that you added value to someone else's life. It doesn't have to be transactional. It doesn't have to be monetary. It could be something as simple as smiling at someone that you're passing on the street and they smile back. Of saying thank you when you went to the restaurant to pick up your food or when you called customer service and thanking someone for a job well done, right? For answering your question, right? Or, you know, you see an obstacle in the road or on the sidewalk and you move it out of the way so no one gets hurt. Start by jotting down one thing each day. But again, after 21 days, this becomes a habit. And you'll see the pattern of adding value that you have, where every day I'm adding value to somebody, right? This helps remove the mental block that would make you think that you don't deserve to be compensated. Because you'll see, you're adding value all the time to people. And again, mutual exchange of value is fairness, and we all want to be fair. And this will help us get there, okay? And it'll help you get more comfortable with receiving money in exchange for the value that you add to other people's lives in a way that's proportional to the value that you add. That makes sense? Do I need to say that again? So what we want to do, we want to get comfortable, right? Understanding that, no, I do add value. The marketplace rewards value, right? And I can be compensated relative to the value that I add for other people. Plain and simple, right? This is fairness. So, there you have it. Three money scripts that are keeping you broke and miserable. And the simple, simple hacks that you can use to flip those scripts so you can live rich. And obviously, down the line, we'll, we'll talk about what it means to, to live a rich life, right, on a future episode. Now, what I need you to do is to subscribe to the podcast. Let's make this thing huge, right? So everybody who listens, people all over the world, they can get the support, the encouragement, the tips, the tricks, the hacks, the mindset that they need to accomplish their goals, whatever they are, business, finance, career, relationships, life in general. That's what we're here for. This has been another episode of the Stairway to 7 podcast. I have been Ismail. You have been enjoying it because I know you have because you're still here, right? (laughs) But I do appreciate you. So, Stairway to 7 Figures. Because there's no elevator to success. you got to take the stairs. And six figures ain't long like it used to be, brother. 
we got to make seven figures just to stay ahead of the game. And with that, you all be safe out there.